Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plantplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello and welcome back to The Plotting Shed. I hope you've all had a really lovely week. This is the second in the spring series of The Plotting Shed. As I explained last last week, I wanted to start to go into the thought processes behind garden design to help you get started. I mean, it's the season now, it's late April where people are really getting into the gardens and we want to have it changed and make the garden look great for the summer and you might be adding things or planning what you're going to do. But sometimes those choices are quite overwhelming. I mean, I know that myself. I mean, I've I've been designing gardens for about the last six or seven years. I've got a good knowledge of lots and lots of plants. But even I sometimes, when you're faced with a, a garden, you kind of look at it and think, oh my Lord, how am I going to make something in this space? What am I going to do? I really haven't got any kind of inspiration. How am I going to create a design? And what am I going to plant here, for goodness sake? It's a really tough spot. If I get overwhelmed, I'm sure if you if your experience of plants and gardening is, is limited or you're new to it, it's even more overwhelming. So this podcast is basically to try and give you a, a route map, a, a pathway, a simple conceptual approach that will just take you through that beginning thought process so that you don't feel quite so inundated. Because ultimately people use garden designers because they can't think, they can't work it out, they don't want to get it wrong or that they want to create something spectacular and they want somebody else to come up with an idea because they just can't. But obviously garden designers, when you hire them, it's a one hit wonder. You know, the process may be several weeks, but then you receive a finished delivered product. Now, hopefully the designer's done their job and has asked the questions so that the end product meets all your brief. But if you're doing it yourself, it can be really tricky because You don't know what you need. You don't know how you're going to work in the garden possibly. And so you don't know what questions to ask. So I'm gonna try and just go through a simplified thought process. All in a 20 minute podcast. Okay, let's see if we can do this for you. As I said last week, any design is a two pronged attack. You solve the problems and you deliver the desires. And if you do both, the design works well. So the first thing we have to do with any 
garden or change to the garden is identify the issues, identify the problems, identify those things that you will need to deal with because those problems won't go away just because you put your design in there. So problems have to be either dealt with, designed in, or designed out. So what kind of problems are we talking about? What are those sorts of things? Well, it may be that your garden shape that's a predefined shape. You cannot change the border of your garden, the boundary. It may be that it's a really odd shape. It may be that it's really narrow. It may be really tiny. It may slope uphill. It may slope downhill. It may be that what you see beyond your garden is ghastly and it's ugly or it's annoying or it's noisy or that your garden has a lot of shade. It's the sun never gets to certain parts of the garden because it's always it's shaded by a tall building, for example. These are all problems or issues that you will have to deal with because they can't change. So this is the first decision-making process that you have to go through. Let's just take, for example, the fact that your garden is on a slope. It's not level. It's lower at one end and higher at the other. Now, any hard landscaping that levels a garden is expensive. We know that. Terracing can be expensive. So you then have these first sorts of decisions. Do I look at leveling all of the garden? Do I just level part of the garden? Or do we work with the slope? All of that will impact the design process, but you need to decide that at the, at the beginning, not part way through or impose a design on it. Plants grow quite happily on all kinds of, of terrain. You don't, they don't need a flat surface to grow on. So terracing to have flat borders for plants to grow on isn't necessary. It may be that you look at it and you think, well, I would only ever sit in this part of the garden. That's the bit that gets the sun in the evening when I'm home. That's the only part of this garden that needs to be flat. The rest of it doesn't. If, for example, you have a long, narrow garden, you've either got to embrace it, embrace that narrowness and that length, or you find ways to stop your visual journey down the garden quite so quickly. Big structures that you can't change. Neighbours trees, maybe big trees in your garden, huge big old tree roots that you can't you can't get rid of or that buildings overshadow your garden. They will cut out the direct sunlight hitting that space. What am I going to do about that? Do I plant plants that are just going to tolerate that shade or am I going to try and add something to the garden that will make it feel less shady? 
They're all fundamental design decisions at the very start of the process. So once you've decided how you're going to tackle the problem, either by dealing with it, it may be drainage. The garden is gets so waterlogged in the winter, I can't use it. That has to be a problem you consider how you're going to deal with it before you put anything in there. Do I design this in? There is a large garage sitting down the side of my garden that butts into my view. I can't get rid of the garage. So what am I going to do to make that garage be less unattractive? Or do we design it out, which is by saying, okay, I've got that ugly view of the neighbor's house or their garage wall. I don't want to see that. So I've got to create a design in my garden that will have a bigger structure or a bigger something over there so I don't see it. So once we've dealt with the problems and we know that we're either going to design in or design out or we're going to just deal with them or eradicate them that then frees us up to then concentrate on delivering the desires and this is where again as from last week i was discussing it with you you have to look inside first because your process for understanding how the garden is going to make you feel will help you with this overwhelming choice of plants and design layouts that you can have. So we start very simply and unfortunately much as we might want to feel things about the garden there is one other limitation that we have with any design and that's the budget how much money you have to spend. And because we are all limited by our budgets, we have to prioritize. We have to work out what are those essential things that you have to have in the garden, that you want to have in the garden, you can't do without. And then we have to find a way that the budget can fit that. Often, where we have limited budgets and we have to do or plan the garden in stages, you can actually end up with a better result than if you had bought in a, an instant design solution from a designer, because then all of those questions have to be answered in a very short period of time. But when you've only got X amount to spend this year, because you're developing and the garden is evolving over time, as long as you've considered the really main issues first and, and keep those in that thought process, the garden will evolve around those solving problems and delivering desires and sometimes will deliver more because you've become more experienced and you've got a better understanding of how you use the garden as you've used it. So budgets are a pain in the bum because we always want to get things done straight away, but we have to work within some limitations. You've got the priority, so that's where we start. And in any garden design, especially in a small garden, an average modern family garden, the most important area that you want to create is the place that you're going to spend most time in, which is where you're going to sit. That's what we do in a garden. Most of us 
want to sit out. We want to sit out in a nice space. So that's priority one. Where is the best place to sit in my garden? And that is going to be determined by all of those problems or issues that you have and also the most fundamental factor that we can't change which is where the sun shines. You will always put your chair in the sunniest part of the garden, certainly in, in the northern hemisphere where we live here. In warmer climes you will quite often put your chair in the shadiest part of the garden simply because it's too hot to sit in the sunshine. And that is the start point for how the garden builds around that space. Because there might only be one place that's really good in, the, in, in a small garden to sit. Then it's, how am I going to get here? Do I need a pathway? Do I need a route? And if I do need a route to that seating space, when am I going to use that seating space? Is it only in certain months of the year? So I don't really need to have an all-weather hard landscaped route there because I'll only use it for a few weeks of the year or months of the year. Is it that to create a path is going to take up too much space in the garden? So do I need a formal pre prescribed route or can I be a bit more informal about how I get to this space. So those are the two fundamentals there. Then the next bit, there are two other issues that you need to deal with with the design. When I am sitting in my lovely space in my garden, what do I look at? I'm sitting down. What is it that I see? Do I like what I see. Is the part of the garden that jumps out at me the part of the garden I want to look at? Or do I want to look somewhere else but I've got nothing that attracts my attention? What is going to captivate me? And it's not just visual. We have four other senses, remember. You have sight and sound and touch and taste and smell. So something will have to captivate you when you're sitting there and it needs to be a sensory experience. It might be you only have one space in the garden for a really big look at me. This is my area of interest. But that area of interest will have to deliver a sensory lots of things to you. It'll have to smell nice. It might have to sound nice. It might have to have movement as well as flowers, all of those sorts of things. Where am I sitting? How am I getting there? What's the best way to get there? And what am I going to look at? But I also mentioned one other factor about looking. We view a garden from two, two aspects. You view the garden from being in it, and then you view the garden from the house looking out over it. And you will have windows. So when you stand inside the house looking out through that framed view, what do you see? What do you want to see? Is what you see attractive or is it just the fence? Is it something else? Is it something you really don't like? There's nothing that makes you feel happy. Is it that you can't see the best bits of the garden at all? So there are these micro views that you have from different parts of the house and it might be that 
from the kitchen window, for example, you might just need one or two things that you notice. They can be different colors, maybe a colored pot, it may it can be a mirror, it can be an attractive something on the trellis, or even maybe that you open the window and the scent of a plant comes in through the kitchen. All of those things, you can just ask very simple questions to get you saying, what do I need here? I want something to look at at that point there in the garden, because from inside the house, that's what I see. So it identifies for you areas that you've got to do something about. You have to beautify them, or you have to disguise them, or you have to make something interesting. All of that is fine because now you'll have a, a thought process, you'll have this plan written down in the garden with a lot of questions that from the sketch that you've got will identify areas that you need to do something about and you know that you have to get here and you have to create a route to get there. So that gives you a basic design there and then just from that sort of thought process. It doesn't need to be intricate. It doesn't need to be extravagant. It needs to be good and it needs to function and it needs to work for you. That's all it's got to do. Remember, we're solving the problems and delivering desires. So the last part, which is the bit that most people worry about, is the planting. Because it's really, really difficult to know what to plant if you really have a very limited knowledge about plants. And I think there was some research done a few years ago that most of the British public or most sort of people can identify 10 plants, lavender, roses, geraniums, maybe irises, maybe that there are ornamental grasses, that there is a honeysuckle, that's another one people, sweet peas. People can also identify tulips and daffodils. I think that's nine. Most people have a very limited knowledge of what's out there. So how on earth can you work out what to plant when you haven't got a clue about plants? I did write a book about this, by the way, if you want to have a look. I did do a book called I Want to Like My Garden. And in the back of the book, there is a method. It's not perfect, and I will just briefly explain it now. But it, you can find the book or go onto my website. You'll see where the links to the book are. But I've done this boxes method, and I've done this clothing method to try and help you. Now, you're probably sitting there thinking, boxes, clothes, what on earth is she talking about? Well, I've always thought that when you have a difficult concept to try and understand, what you need to do is put a familiar concept or apply a familiar concept to an unfamiliar concept. I used to, when I was back at school and my physics teacher, he was trying to teach us about electricity and it was really difficult to get our heads around it. And so he used these little characters. I don't know if you remember Smurfs. And we had lots of different Smurfs and each Smurf had a different thing. And we worked out how to understand electricity and amps and watts and the, the, the movement of electrons using a train set and Smurfs. I do it in this way. And in terms of working out the sizing of plants and the space that you need to use, I draw boxes and I still do this now when I'm looking at designing gardens. I have the photograph and I have the empty border in front of me and I draw boxes, B 
big tall square boxes, narrow tall boxes. I have pyramid shaped boxes that are sort of upside down because that's what a tree shape very often is. It's a pyramid shape. Cereal packet boxes, flat, low, wider, spreading things. And if you draw in your space of the garden that you need to fill with plants, familiar shapes, it will give you a rough guide as to the, the size of plant that you need to have. So it may be to hide one of the problems that you have in your garden. You need something that might get to eight feet tall and four feet wide or three meters tall and two meters wide of your, your metric. So you need to, you now know that's the sizing of plant that we've got to have. And when you look at that box structure in front of you on your piece of paper, you can see whether the garden feels quite full, but it's an easy way to ensure a, a depth of planting. So then what you do is you give each box a job description. This box here has got to solve this problem. It's got to hide what's behind it. Or maybe this box here is right beside where I'm going to sit in the patio. So I need this box to do a different thing. It might have to be nice and scented. I need it to flower in the summer because that's when I'm sitting there. I need this box over here, which is a low flat one. I want that one to cover that space of, of ground. I don't want to see soil. So that's its job description. So now you'll have a list, you'll have boxes and you'll have a job description beside them. Very basic. Then it's a question of styling and colors. So again, what plant do you use? Well, you could go to the garden center at this point and wander up and down the aisles alphabetically, trying to see if you could find plants. But again, we can refine our job description a bit better. So now you have your cereal packet shaped box size plant that you know that has to cover the ground. But what color, what color and what choice of plant do I have? So this is where the clothes come in. Now we all know if we have good underwear, whatever we put on top looks good and is held in place. So the design that you've created is the underwear of the garden. It will hold everything in place. And then in our wardrobe, we always have some staples, don't we? We have jeans and jumpers that are things that we wear all the time. So that tall box shaped plant in the corner has got to be a stable. It's got to be something that's there all the time. It looks good all year round. That's your jeans and jumpers. So now you're thinking, I need an evergreen plant that's that big, that's got attractive leaves because I'm looking at it all year round. We're adding a definition to each job description. The cereal packet box, for example, I walk past there, I can't really see it because it's on the, on, on the ground, but wouldn't it be lovely if it had some scent? So now there's another job description that you can add to the cereal box. Then we have tops and t-shirts. I don't know about you, but I tend to wear different colors in the spring than I wear in the summer and maybe in the winter. So you can then assign some of those the boxes that you haven't yet given a specific job description to. They'll be your tops and t-shirts and they can be different colors at different times of the year. So that box there, for example, you might have 
you think, I want to see that in the spring. I see that from my kitchen window and it will be lovely to see that flowering in springtime because then I know spring's coming. And then you can think, what colour would I like to see there? Would I like to see yellow or blue or white? So now you have a box that needs to get to 80 centimetres by 80 centimetres. It needs to flower between February and April and it's got to be yellow. If you type in plant 80 centimetres by 80 centimetres flowers March to April yellow, the internet will give you some options which will help you choose the plants for the garden because they're already going to be doing something that you know will work which will hopefully help that plant choice seem less overwhelming. It's not a perfect solution, there isn't a perfect solution, but it's quite a good one to help you. So you can walk in the garden centre and you think, right, I need some jeans and jumpers and I need some tops and t-shirts. What colour do I want for wear? And it'll just help you choose a little bit better. So I hope that's helped. It's a slightly longer podcast. I did say 20 minutes to try and describe how to how to design a garden and choose plants in 20 minutes. And I've done it in just over. There's more information in my book, I Want to Like My Garden, or on the website. So do go and have a look at there, plantplots.com. Um, or have a look at some of the videos that I've got on my YouTube channel. And I will see you next week. Bye for now. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website with loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.